0: Join the conversation with Tommy Weber. Pro and college baseball coach Tommy Weber brings you cutting-edge interviews and thought-provoking commentary in a weekly podcast dedicated to baseball, sports, current events, and the world. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and TommyWeberBaseball.com. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. It's time to get the conversation started, so here's your host, Tommy Weber.
1: From the Gotham Podcast Studio in the heart of New York City, downtown Tribeca, my hometown, the greatest city in the world, this is the conversation I am Tommy Weber. Welcome aboard everybody as we begin the fall. The temperature 's starting to drop a little bit it 's uh, about to be playoff time. Pennant races are in full swing, starting to get uh, a feel for some teams dropping out, some teams making charges you 're really starting to see teams medal if you will um, personally i 've been asked a lot about who I like and I can't not like uh, the Red Sox and the Astros, and I explain it very very quickly and very succinctly. Um, When I watch the Red Sox play, I see a team that when you're walking, they're trotting. When you're trotting, they're running. When you're running, they're sprinting. They enjoy playing the game fast. They like taking you on. They like beating you to the punch. They enjoy playing an up-tempo style of game. They're great defensively. They run Uh, They make contact a lot. They are relentless. They have a deep lineup. Uh, And more than anything else, I think their manager's got an edge to him. He's a little mean, and he enjoys beating up on you. And that can be a lethal combination. Whether or not their bullpen's going to be strong enough to sustain them, only time will tell. But uh, when I watch the Red Sox at their best, Uh, They remind me of a very, very fundamentally sound, terrific defensive team, runs the bases really well, looking to take advantage of guys big-leaguing it a little bit, and now their guys winds up on third base, and they score every run and make every play. So uh, I think the Yankees and the rest of the American League and the rest of baseball has their hands full if the Red Sox remain healthy um, uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. So having said that, um, we are going back to... Carolina tonight. So we hear the great James Taylor. Brilliant genius playing the
0: classic
1: Carolina. Uh, we're going to Chapel Hill. Um, we've been there before, and uh, I'm happy to go back. Uh, good friend of mine and a guy who came out to Cape Cod and played with us and uh, got a lot out of it, and we got a lot out of out of him. He's uh, born in Staten Island, Italian kid. So. Uh, we have a lot in common, and that was, uh, <laughs> we realized that very quickly. Um, moved to New Jersey, which is, uh, sometimes the progression for people that they, they were born in Brooklyn, moved to Staten Island, <laughs> wind up in New Jersey. Um, he is, uh, a catcher. Uh, An outstanding player. I actually uh, met him probably about five years ago when he was working at a facility with Brian Esposito, who's a manager in the Pittsburgh Pirate Organization, a terrific catcher, played in the big leagues, who uh, was working out with Brandon, has worked out with Brandon for a long time. Um, We reunited this summer uh, in Cape Cod and uh, drafted in 2016 by the Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe, in the 30th round, um, and decided to take his uh, skills to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I want you to welcome Brandon Martorano. B-Mart, how are you, pal?
2: What's going on,
1: Tommy? How are you? I'm doing great, man. You know, I'm doing great. Weather's getting a little cooler, a little break in the humidity, um, teaching at St. John's, working with some guys, you know, doing some baseball stuff, and... Uh, doing my podcast and having uh, celebrities like you. I'm lucky enough to be able to get big-time guys like you to come on. Uh, I
2: don't know about that. I've been, we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm happy you finally uh, gave me the uh, number to get, let me get on.
1: Well, um, we've had uh, two guys before you, Kelly Nicholson and uh, Don Snedden. Kelly, of course, the manager of the Orleans Firebirds, and Don Snedden, the manager of the Wareham Gateman, who won the whole thing this year. So um, you're in really good company. I was really looking forward to doing this. Um, you know, when I thought about some of the questions I had for you and some of the conversations that we can get in, the directions that we can go, the first thing I always love to hear, um, and I think I know the answer to this, but uh, I'd like everybody to hear because there's so many people obviously interested in going to brand name schools. Uh, you have grown up in the in the kind of the sweet spot of all this travel ball and um, being a terrific player from such an early age. How did you get to and decide upon the University of North Carolina?
2: Ah. Uh. Well, that the, the University of North Carolina has obviously always been a, uh, a dream destination of mine. It's been a dream that I had when I was a little kid. And it always seemed a little far-fetched, uh, you know, for a Jersey kid to, you know, make his way down south. But um, I always kind of just had my heart set on it. And uh, lucky enough, I was able to be exposed uh, to the coaching staff here at a young age. Uh, I was playing, in, uh, some, playing some baseball down here. Uh, with the Team USA, 15U team uh, down in Cary, North Carolina, and uh, which happens to be 20 minutes away from Chapel Hill, and we actually played a few of our exhibition games at Chapel Hill. And uh, that was when Coach Fox and his coaching staff, uh, I guess, first saw me, and uh, they followed me along, and uh, we built we built a pretty good rapport. And and uh, by my sophomore year in high school, they were I was lucky enough to receive a a chance to come play here and it, it was an easy decision for me i didn't waste much time i think about maybe a month or so after i was offered uh i committed here and i've been you know happy you know to be here ever since then
1: so. so what year in high school did you commit
2: um i committed really young uh my my, my father and i we were really new to the process my dad being a that Island guy you know always you know hard work and didn't really neither of us really knew much about it and we committed we, we got such a great opportunity right on our, right in our doorstep and, and at such a young age, my sophomore year of high school. So it was, it was the uh, March of my sophomore year, which I think was 2014. Okay. And uh, 2014, right before I started my high school season. So it would have been right before my second high school season, and it was right around that time that I was able to verbally commit.
1: Well, that brings up an interesting point because uh, in my conversation with Coach Fox last year, uh, he talked about how much earlier and earlier kids are committing to schools, and he had just committed uh, two kids who were just graduating the eighth grade and about to be freshmen. They were these you know six foot tall left handed pitchers who, at like fourteen years old, were throwing ninety miles an hour um, so more and more young people are committing, especially at the top of the food chain, the outstanding players, the elite players are committing sooner and sooner. And these big schools are vying for these kids because there are, you know, there's only a few at the very top of the heap. Um, now that you did that, um, how would you advise someone? How would you invi- how would you advise the sophomore Brandon Martorano now? Um, <clears throat> you know,
2: looking back on it now, now that I'm in my third year here and, um, seven years removed, believe it or not, makes me old. Uh, from when I first committed, um, I, I think if I would, if I had a son or a, a, a or a relative that I was able to mentor through the process, I think I would honestly. Uh, I mean, getting the chance to go to North Carolina as a sophomore is, is such a an impossible decision to turn down, and it was something I wanted to do my whole life. So it was, I decided to commit it because the cards are right and everything lined into place. But, you know, looking back on it, I think I would have preferred to maybe wait a little while. Uh, it is pretty crazy nowadays how young people are committing. You know, when I was a sophomore, that was a big deal to commit. And now you got people obviously committing in the eighth grade. And it's just, it's becoming so competitive. Baseball is becoming so competitive and, and, you know, it's something I do love to see, you know, I love to see that, you know, so many people are now so interested in playing the game and want to play at the college level. And, but in terms of that, it's really hard for these college coaches and, and it's putting a really hard burden on them to project where a 14 year old, 13 year old kid is going to be when he's 18 years old. And I I know that my body and mental makeup was not the same when I was 15. And I committed to where I am now at, at 20, I'm about to be 21 and, in terms of, you know, getting certain players, it's really hard for these college coaches because everyone wants to commit so young and they're, you know, they're kind of pressed against the wall to go out and get these players if they want to com- compete. And uh, I mean, I-, I think honestly, I would have, I think I would advise someone to wait a little while. I would I would ex- kind of put it on them where, you know, you, you should experience uh, everything first. You should be able to grow up and and make their own mature decision rather than maybe rushing into something. I think my situation was unique because I've always wanted to go to UNC. I fell in love with the coaching staff, I fell in love with the campus, and it was everything I've ever dreamed of and ever wanted. Uh, so for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. But in, in, on the flip side, uh, if that was not the case, I think I would have definitely weighed in and maybe maybe gone around and maybe seen some other places if any other school had some interest.
1: Uh, fascinating. That's really great insight because – as a lot of people that listen, I, I speak to a lot of parents who listen to the podcast. They want me to give them advice. As you know, you know everybody. Everybody wants to know what the secret is, and I try to give them the same advice. There is no secret. You got to get the fit. You know, it's got to be a fit for you. And I always tell them one thing: the school's got to want you more than they want than you want them. Otherwise, the power balance is really perverted. And um, you know, you got to now prove yourself because they kind of want you, and you really want them. Well, that's not a really good position to be in. So, fit is really everything. And when when everything comes together, it doesn't matter how old you are. You might as well take it. Now, now let me ask you this. Um, Being a catcher. um, Another thing I tell people is if your kid's right-handed and he's 11 years old, make sure you teach him how to catch because every team needs at least two. And it's the only position where nobody tells you you're too small or too slow. If you can catch, if you can get back behind the plate, catch, Lock balls, you know, be a pretty good thrower of the ball. You don't have to have a, a great arm, but just be a pretty good thrower. You're going to participate a lot because catching is a premium position. And I believe over the last 10 or 15 years, catching has become the premium position because I think fewer and fewer kids want to catch. I think parents are less inclined to make their kids catchers because they're so involved in the process and they want to protect their kid. Uh, and I think they're doing them an injustice Speak to me a little bit about the fact that you play such a premium position, how that really has benefited you over, you know, the first 10 years of your baseball career.
2: Yeah, I mean, my my story with catching, you know, I've been fortunate enough to tell my story to some people and, you know, I don't know how in depth we're going to get on here, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, I grew up, I played for the local Little League travel team and uh, my dad was a coach and, My dad was never one of those dads who, you know, put me in the lineup because I was his son. I batted last on my dad's team. I had to earn everything. (laughs) It's true. You can ask him, you know, it's, it's it's his proudest moment. But I did. I batted last on my dad's team. And I played shortstop my whole life growing up. I was always the shortstop. And there was just a kid on that team who was just better than me. And I wanted to play. I loved baseball. And I played other sports at the time, but I loved baseball. And my dad said, you know, I not you try catch. And I, that was when I was eight. Uh, and I've caught every single day. I've never played in another position since I was eight. My dad never let me pitch. I've never thrown a pitch from 60-90 mount. Uh, <laughs> I've never thrown a pitch. I, I threw uh, in Little League uh, on the small field. But once we moved to the big field, I never pitched. And I never played any other position ever again except the catcher. Uh, when, I got to, when I got to college, I did uh, learn how to play some outfield. But uh, I was always so focused on catching and, and for some odd reason, a reason I could not explain, like I just fell so in love with it, in love with the defensive side of it. And my dad was a big part of that. You know, he, he made me think through mental aspects of the game that to me made it so, so fascinating, which is why I can't stand when I hear people tell me baseball, oh, baseball is too boring. Like, but I'm a catcher and, and I know it's not, you know, right. I, I sit back there and I see everything happen, every little detail. and. I just fell in love with that. I love being kind of in control of what's going on uh, in terms of that. But, you know, defensively, like I've always been a defense first kind of guy. Like I struggled hitting my whole entire life. I was never really good at it. I batted last on my dad's team. Uh, my, my longtime travel coach and one of my, my closest, dearest friends named Mike Moseri, out of Hamilton, New Jersey, an unbelievable man an unbelievable coach, he barely took me on his team and I batted last on his team until I was about 15 years old. And then one day it kind of just clicked. I wanted to try harder to be a better hitter and become more complete. But I would definitely agree with what you said. You know, any young kid should learn how to catch and try to catch. It's not for everybody. And most people don't like it. They can't stand it. Uh, But for me, I just loved it. I loved it. I loved the fact of getting dirty, you know, all the pain that I've been through, you know, I've just, At all these different injuries, but I always, I always loved it. I always enjoyed it. And, and I think you, in order to catch for so long, you have to have that burning passion for it.
1: Yep. You're the only guy who faces the field. Um, that's why so many, uh, Major League managers, so many great Major League managers, are catchers because you are involved in every pitch. You're involved in every play. You see everything. Um, you're, you do not have your back to the play. You are facing the play all day long. Um, and uh, every, every pitch you're involved in. And uh, it's a critical position. I think people, you know, in, in an effort to make their kids more valuable should concentrate a lot less on getting hitting lessons and being more versatile. You don't, as you said, it's a great point. You don't have to be a full-time catcher, but if you could just get behind the plate, you know, a guy gets, you know, gets nipped in the hand or whatever, you know, a catcher can't go that day and you can catch. Well, you're going to enjoy a lot more because you're going to be able to play. Uh, and it's not always about making the major leagues, it's about enjoying the game and the more positions you can play, especially behind the plate, the more valuable you are. Um, this is a big year for you, um, draft eligible junior. Uh, give me, uh, give me your scouting report on yourself. Oh,
2: oh wow. Um, I think that I, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like my biggest asset in terms of baseball has been my life, my baseball experiences, like what I've been through uh, in terms of being a more mature person. I've been through the draft process once already. Uh, My entire life, I've always been told uh, I was too, too skinny, uh, not strong enough my whole life. Like I was always told that, you know, I've had multiple people tell me I'll never play college baseball. I'm too skinny. I'll never catch college in college. And uh, it always drove me, you know, to work hard. You mentioned Brian Esposito. I've been working with him since I was 13. And he really t- turned my life around. He turned my career around. And uh, he taught me how to catch. He taught me how to become a catcher. But he also t- taught me how to become a complete player. And uh, in terms of, you know, my my skills, I think uh, I like to be a defense first kind of guy. I like, you know, being the leader on the team. I, you know, my biggest, biggest compliment someone can give me is that I just control the game well. Uh, but in terms of offense, uh, I like to think of, I like to think I have, a, I, I certainly know that I have a lot of areas where I need to improve. Um, you know, I need to be more consistent at the plate. Um, luckily I was, I'm lucky enough to, to run into some balls and get it over the fence in order to help the team in driving and driving in runs. And, but going forward, I definitely think I want to be more of a complete player. I want to be, you know, I'm, I'm am I'm a definitely a skinnier guy in terms of catchers. I'm, I'm taller, but I'm skinnier. I'm like six. I'm like 195 right now, and a lot of people have told me I need to get that up to 205, which is I've been working really, really hard on. And you know, just in terms of that, I just in in my skill set, my scouting report is, I just want to be remembered as someone who just, you know, just worked hard every day. Like I'm, I'm not a product of talent. Like I was never the most talented person. I'm, I'm complete product of hard work. You know, all the hours I put in with Brian, with with Moseri, with my dad. You know, those are things I think think about a lot. And going to the Cape, it kind of opened my eyes. It showed me that, hey, you know, I can play at this level, you know, with the high, the best players in, in the world. Right. You know, it was one of the most unbelievable experiences I've ever had. You know, playing with great players on my team, not, you know, not just against them. Right. I learned so yeah. much from other players on my team, from you and, and Coach Shev and, and Neil and the rest of the coaching staff. And, you know, I just like to be known as someone who just, someone who likes to learn, someone, you know, I can go out there every day and be the same guy and be consistent. Well, there's and, no, there's
1: uh, no questioning, later. there's no questioning your desire and your enthusiasm and your intelligence for the game. And it's interesting how, uh, even though you're you're growing up in in a in the game where it is inundated with math, analytics, data, where I get coaches describing kids by literally saying numbers, like they don't they don't say you know, the kid can play, you know, he could move, you know, he throws a lot of strikes or, um, you know, his ball moves. I hear, you know, sits 90 can, you know, top touches 93 or, you know, two pop top, whatever it might be, you know, six, three sixty. And after a while, we're not really having a conversation. We're really just, he's just throwing numbers at me and I'm supposed to calculate those and somehow envision a player. But, and I think this is to your credit and I, and I mean this, um, you kind of appreciate it. Maybe it's because of the position you play. I, I think you sell yourself short when you say you're not the most talented guy because you've got a, a world of talent. Um, but you value the things that managers and coaches value. Uh, managers and coaches value that, that can, you can handle a pitching staff. You're a leader on the field. Um, you know, we can trust you. Um, you know, I always say I, I, I'm just happy the kids. Sometimes you get kids who you can't trust. You're, you're afraid they're going to go from first to third via the pitcher's mound one day because you just don't know what they might be capable of doing. Um, so the things that you value are things that um, may not be valued on Twitter. All right. It may not be valued by every guy who thinks he's a expert or a guru, but that people who have a vested interest in winning baseball games consider very valuable.
2: Oh yeah. No, no. To build on what you just said, you know, I think it's in in terms of analytics, I've had a crash course in it. Like my roommate last year is, uh, he works. He created an analytics department at UNC. He was on the cover of baseball America for all of his work. He's one of the brightest people I've ever met. And he's introduced me to a world of analytics. And and I do think that that can be useful. I agree. But to regulate a, a player's worth or a player's ability to a number is something that I do agree with you. I find it frustrating and I find it something that, you know, I've never been like that kind of growing up when I grew up and all my friends were like, Oh, I hit 88 today. I hit 90 today. Like that never really impressed me because coming from Jersey and you'll agree with this come from Jersey and come from Staten Island, these, these kids and I was one of them myself. We don't know what else is out there. Right. You know, we don't know anything else. We don't know what kids in California are doing. And, and instead of focusing on becoming a more complete player, everyone's worried about, oh, I hit this many home runs. I hit this mile per hour. I ran this 60. I threw this pop time, which is the most annoying thing ever. I can't stand when I hear people talk me about too. pop time. Me too. Me too. I couldn't agree more. It's just, I just don't think that um, me, I think, would be to, to, to regulate me to numbers would be to undervalue my worth, I feel. Because I feel that I can contribute so much to a team or to an organization or to a club or, or to even my teammates that can't be measured in numbers.
1: Right. And just you because know? you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not valuable.
2: Exactly. And just because problem, and just I because said.
1: you can measure it doesn't make it any more valuable. I agree completely. And I, and I, I think mean, I I'm going to put it into terms exactly. that, that you probably can understand. Um, if I say to you a girl is tall, blonde... Uh, and and lean. It doesn't mean she's really beautiful. It just means she's told every tall blonde and lean woman is not beautiful. Right. I mean, it might sound good, but you want to see her before you determine whether or not she's beautiful. Well, it seems to me like that's how we're describing players now. We're not telling you we're not telling you anything. We're not showing you a picture of the player. We're giving you his measurements, ostensibly. And you're supposed to extrapolate from that the player. And I don't think that really works in a human situation. It might work with machines, but I don't know. There are so many things you can't predict, especially in a game, from inning to inning, pitch to pitch, that those things that you can't measure are very valuable. I agree. Numbers are important, but you can't enslave yourself to the numbers. You have to. No, the I numbers agree. have to work for you. You can't work for them.
2: Oh, I completely agree, and this this goes back to what we talked about all summer. This is just coming from the culture that we that we, that I grew up in, the culture that you're finding yourself in now of showcases, and and you go up to the plate, you hit six balls, they take your exit velocity, you run to first base, you you run a sixty, you throw a pop time, and you pay six hundred dollars and you go home, and then you get ranked. And then they put your numbers up next to your face and that's it. That's all you are. You're then you're a number. You're all you are is a number. You're a person in a, you're a number in a database. And that's what these coaches and that's what these scouts supposedly go off, of, which I did. I found growing up is not always the case. You know, I, from, from, from my experience and talking with, with close to 30, 30, of the teams, major league teams before the draft, they, they never one time asked me what my batting average was. Right. Right they don't ask me what my top time is. They ask me questions about what we just talked about. What's my makeup? What right. do I like to do outside of baseball? Yep. do I like to work? Do I work hard? Do I, can I manage a staff? Can I, you know, you know, there's no number for talking for, for that can predict, you know, a player that's having a bad day. What's he going to do? up right. at the plate. There's no number for that. Right. You know, we're human beings. We're not numbers. We're not machines. Yeah. Which I agree. I think the big
1: All scouts, uh, never ask, uh, how is he as a player? They always ask, what kind of kid is he? You know, Is he a good kid? Is he a good teammate? You know, does he, does he dog, does he take his bat out into the field with him? Does he let one at bat, you know, carry over into the field or into the next at bat? Uh, All the kind of things that create for you a a kind of profile of the player. You need to know what, you know, those nuanced things are because those are the things that are the, as you said, you're playing with the best players in the world. The differences are going to be subtle and the differences are not going to be whether or not you throw 92 or 93 or 94 or 95, or your pop time is 2.0 or 1.9. That's not going to be the difference. The difference is going to be who you are. Uh, You know, when you get a little nick, are you out for a week or are you back in there trying to, you know, do your job? What kind of what kind of how kind of how resilient are you when you get little minor bumps and bruises that everybody's gonna get?
0: You're listening to the conversation with Tommy Weber. We'll be right back. This episode of The Conversation with Tommy Weber is brought to you by ForMomALZ.com. Join the fight against Alzheimer's and support our good friends, Hunter and Braden Bishop, as they bring awareness to a struggle that many families face through their charity, For Mom. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at ForMom. And for all your mortgage needs, call Northern Security Capital Corp., the New York area's most dedicated mortgage broker. If you're buying or refinancing a home, there's only one place to go. Call Northern Security Capital Corp. today at 718-273-1010. And now, back to the show. I want
1: to shift gears a little bit um, and uh, play a little word association with you right now. Um Obviously this year was a absolutely fantastic uh, season at uh, North Carolina. Um, let me get inside your brain and, you know, tell me about what, what that journey was like to the college world series.
2: Tommy, when I tell you it was the best after school got out, um, we did, we stayed around campus to finish the season because school in trouble. I think we ended around in mid April. Right. So we still had six full weeks of our season left and, And those six weeks were honestly some of the best weeks of my life. I've, I've went through so much during those six weeks, so many highs and lows, but in terms of baseball, you know, our team by far, we we were consistently the underdog all year. You know, people were talking down on us all season. We, you know, we, we, one writer kind of told us, you know, going into the NCAA tournament that we don't have enough meat on our bones to even make it past the regional in which we were hosting. And, uh, our team we made forty shirts that said white t shirts and just said no not enough meat. And yeah. we wore it to every practice and we wore it to every game and
1: don't poke the uh, bear, man. Don't poke the bear. Yeah.
2: And, and and that kind of just drove us all. And and what was so interesting about our team was that we were all firing together and we were all best friends, which made us, you know, play so much better. Number one. But number two, we didn't have a single selfish guy on our team. So we had monster players like Kyle Datras who played with Brewster, who you know well, you know, kids who blew up the league, blew up the country like Kyle Datras, Michael Bush, Brandon Riley, Cody Roberts. Yep, yep. But we also had really good supporting cast, you know, behind us. We are pitching staff was the best I've ever seen. I think our bullpen was the best in the country. I think if you asked anybody who played us or played against us or saw us play, they would agree. Um, we had arms coming out of the pen that were just unstoppable. Uh, I think towards the end of the year, they kind of got a little tired, which is, which is why we didn't finish the way that we wanted to. But, you know, when we beat, we beat, we didn't lose a game until we got to Omaha. We beat Houston pretty handily. We beat them. Uh, I think it was 19 to 11 in the final. And then we beat Stetson, uh, two games at home and we made it to Omaha and you know, you know, <laughs> making it to Omaha, i dreamed about it my whole life. And I'll never forget, you know, I, when I told Coach Fox I was committing here, I wanted to, my one main goal was just to go to Omaha. And and now I've gone, and now my, my new goal is to win a national title. UNC never has. Wow. And uh, I, I think that last year's team, you know, giving us that experience of going that far and playing that long and playing so many high-stress games, I think that's made us better. I think we were all heartbroken when it ended. Uh, it was just, you know, the ride was something I'll never forget. You know, I ended up, you know, I had some tragic losses. I lost my best friend. Um, My roommate freshman year passed away. My grandfather passed away two weeks before that during the regional. I lost my best friend during Omaha. So for me personally, it was more than baseball. I felt like that run kind of saved me, kind of, it kept me at peace with everything that was going sure, on sure. around me. And you know, that's just the credit to my teammates. You know, they were such great people, such great friends. They're friends I'll have for the rest of my life. And and you, you can agree, you know, you get to you get me and you. We were together for, what, three, four weeks. And, and now we're super close. Yep. And you just grow so close to someone. Very quickly. And people I think it's, quickly I think went. it's
1: really hard. I think it's really hard for me to communicate that to people who don't do it. Um, how close you get how quickly you get so close to guys. I mean, it really is a bond that's unique. And I, I, I talk about it a lot. Um, and, uh, I got to know, obviously Datris and Gehagen are two of my favorite guys ever, uh, played on our championship team. And, and, you know, I, I would take a bullet for those guys. And, um, I got to know some of your North Carolina guys in the Cape and you could just tell, uh, even you know in in the short period of time that you're around guys like Bush and the rest of those guys, that they're high quality people. And you know Neil Barbell and I talk about this all the time. Uh, when you're around guys like yourself and and Dattris and Gehagen and, and and the like, uh, you know Ike Freeman, um, you're not only around the elite players, but you're also elite people. You know your process and and your your level of commitment and your level of commitment to each other. It is really really off the charts, and it's something to uh really to when you're around it it's really a special thing to be around and I never take it for granted um the rides you guys take us on is is really amazing and I'm sure that uh your coaching staff and everybody around North carolina uh knows they owe you a great debt of gratitude
2: yeah i mean it, it we were just con- i totally agree with what you just said by the way and we what made us so close is we weren't you know, in in terms of the teams that have been in Chapel Hill, you know, you talk about teams that have made it to the College World Series final with the pitching staff of Adam Warren, Rob Wooten, Andrew Miller, Matt Harvey, you know, guys that (laughs) are major league all-stars. You didn't really look at our team. And, and, I mean, you don't know what time will tell, uh, you know, a couple years down the road. And, you know, hopefully, God bless, we get the chance to be those guys. But no one looked at us and said, wow, these guys are future MLB all-stars. And I think that's why... We were so motivated, and that's why we did so well because we were playing against teams that had those guys. We played in an Oregon State team that had four first-round picks sitting in the middle of their lineup in the National Pitcher of the Year on that team, and we beat them, and we, we, I honestly think we had, them, we had them in the second game with, with four outs left. Yes, you did. And nobody could process in their head the headlines were always Oregon State loses and not yep. North Carolina wins. Yep, yep, yep. And that's what, you know, we didn't forget that stuff. You know, we didn't, we never forgot. And that's why we were so good. I think that was one of the best teams I've ever played on. Not the most talented team by any means, but the best team. I think that that team could beat, we could have beaten any team in the country last year. We didn't play our best baseball at all in Omaha. And I think it was because of, we had, you know, we had some some blunders on defense and which was our big strong suit. And it was unfortunate. And that's, you know, you know how it is. That's how baseball goes. And we have no regrets. But that was definitely one of the best baseball teams that I've ever seen. I've ever been on. And, and I think, you know, anyone who listens to this will will laugh at that. But they won't understand it until that no one, no one was around it. You know, no one, no one saw the magic that was happening. True magic that was happening every single day when we went out there.
1: Yeah, and, I, I followed you guys very closely. And and you know my feelings about college baseball. There are a lot, a lot of things i i rather do than watch college baseball uh, for reasons other than the players. Um, but I was really intently watching every single pitch, every inning, and I really got into it. And you guys were a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I had a vested interest. I knew that you were coming. And obviously, uh, Kyle and Gehagen had played for us. So I was, you know, rooting against, you know, I, I was rooting hard for you guys. And uh, it was heartbreaking when you lost, but um, you did everybody proud. And you, and you all know that, obviously.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it was, it was, a, it was a great ride. And, you know, now looking forward you know, hopefully we can get you down to Chapel Hill, check us out, Uh, you know, maybe get some of the guys that was on here. I know they'd love to, but, uh, you know, this year we're we're a different team. Uh, We've got a lot of, I think it's turned into a team with a lot of experience, a lot of older players that are ready to, you know, take that next step to where we want to be feared now. We don't want to be the underdog anymore. We're ready to go out there every single day and have the other team scared to play us. Yep. And we have that edge now. And we, we went there to Omaha. We had that experience. We know what it takes. And we have the players that can do it. And we have the talent. We have we have first rounders on this team. We have big leaguers on this team. And we had big leaguers on last year's team. And you know, I think a lot of people are gonna be surprised by what we do this year. And I know it's early, you know, but if we're able to stay healthy. And, you know, play our best baseball. I don't see why we can't make another run like that again. Yeah, I
1: think it helps. Um, the more I stay, the more I'm in the game, the more I value experience. The more experience I get, the more I value experience in my players. And I got to tell you something. I think um, a little edge and a little bit of a badass is is a good thing to be. I mean, guy, you got to make sure that you, you take no prisoners and people know you're serious. Uh, and when people know you're serious, if they're not serious – you're going to be able to run right through them. Um, Because as you know, not everybody's as serious as they need to be. And they think, you know, it's going to come easy. And uh, when you enlighten them to the fact that it's not, I think people are going to take notice. So uh, I I, I think the future bodes real well for the Tar Heels. I do want to jump back a little bit um, and just get – Give me your uh, your take on your cape experience. It was cut short, but uh, it still was a, a, a good experience for us to have you. Of course, personally, it was great. Me and Neil uh, have a guy that we could take uh, to Ellen B. Sponey Gardens uh, in the <laughs> wintertime. And obviously, now you know two guys who know how to bury a body should that need arise in Chapel Hill. <laughs> uh, but uh, give us your impressions of the cape. Oh, uh,
2: The cape has always been a dream of mine to go play too. You know, I've been so fortunate, you know, to have a lot of my dreams realized. And it's it's been because of the culmination of so many people. But, you know, when I had the chance, I had the chance my freshman year to come out here and and stuff like that. And I, and I played so poorly my freshman year, I got it taken away. And uh, I was told I wasn't good enough to go. Nobody wanted me. Uh, and it kind of shocked me because it was really the first time in my life, my freshman year, that I was really told. Or I was really denying anything I want, like really wanted, and right. it, it kind of took right. me back. And it real, it made me realize that I maybe was taking some things for granted. And 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 getting the opportunity to come my sophomore summer, you know, I wanted to make sure that I made full advantage of every day. And I, I hope that you know that the coaching staff saw that. I, I hope that Chev saw that, and and I and you and Neil and I wanted to go there, and I wanted to win. I wanted to win for Brewster. I didn't want to be that team when we came, when I came there, I think we only had two wins and, you know, nobody wants to be on a losing team and, uh, you know, coming there, you know, at that point, fresh off of Omaha, I was just as excited to be playing on a high school field again than I was playing in front of 25,000 and uh, 1 million people on ESPN, you know? Yep. Yep. And, my Cape experience was great. I was playing against some of the best players. You know, I, I I unfortunately was was working through some some tough tough injury that I ended up needing to take care of, and and you know that kind of was on the back burner of my mind every day, which I think you know kind of stunk for me, and it was you know a little bit more adversity you know to yeah, go along. Yeah, it
1: weighs go. on you.
2: It weighs on you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But but I always had you guys, you know, to to make it easier you know it it made it easier and and we started having more success and we started winning and we started playing better yes you know it wasn't always pretty but we had we we all knew it we had the we had the talent we had the talent to do well we had some big time players on that team and to be around those guys was awesome and to, to to grow a bond with those players and and to grow close to everyone in brewster and be a part of that was awesome to play against you know Best players in the country, future major league all-stars, and that's the truth of it. Because people don't realize that people playing in that league are going to be winning MVPs one day. Oh my God! And and you get to compete against these guys. And yes, you see some
1: really cool stuff. stuff. You really do see some cool stuff. I mean, oh my God.
2: Truly, truly do. It's it's, it's one of the highest levels. Of, it's Oof. the highest level of competition that I've ever seen. You know, every guy in a lineup one through nine is a three hole hitter right. for their respective team. <laughs> right, right. And every pitcher is a Friday night guy.
1: Right. And not and, at not at like, you know, some D three school. I mean you're talking name brand schools, like the big oh, yeah. the 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 name brand standard bearers uh in the country, top twenty five teams in the country. Uh, these kids yeah, all come You know, from. you could
2: go down any top prospect list for this year's draft and I can know, I would now know, yep. have played with or against yep. every single kid on that team. Yep. On yep. that list. Yep. And it's it's crazy how small of a baseball world it is. It's becoming even smaller as you get higher and higher in the, in the ranks. Absolutely. And you progress higher. Absolutely. And I think that's what's crazy, you know, like I've grown up my whole life. I've wanted to be a major league player and it always felt so far away. And now I'm playing against and with players that I know and everyone knows. No question. The C and the B big leaguers. Yes. And it makes you just so much more motivated and it keeps that fire burning in you. Yeah. When you see a kid, you see a kid
1: at the plate that you know next June is going to have like $4 million offered to him or something crazy like that. It is kind of, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, wow. At
2: the plate, try, try living two feet. Try having your bedroom two feet down from one. Yeah, of them. I know. <laughs> I know you. I, I know that. <laughs> my my friggin' roommate's gonna be rolling in money in about you know six months. Well, be happy. he's one of the best baseball players I've ever seen. Well, you know what? And you know that he deserves every penny he's gonna get.
1: Maybe uh, we'll all be in New York, and he'll take us to a nice dinner.
2: Yeah, he'll take us to the Money Garden. We'll, <laughs> we'll be in the back cooking. <laughs>
1: So, I want you to play a quick pitch i'm going to say i'm going to give it 's a kind of a word association game everybody's played it you're the first player to play it and by the way um, you're acquitting yourself very well on on the conversation not everybody it's It's tough sometimes for young guys to come on uh you're doing a fabulous job and and the main purpose for this is I want players to have a voice uh, i don't think players have enough of a voice. And I do everything I possibly can to give you a voice. And when guys like you come on and acquit yourself so well and all the other players who have come on have done such a great job, it, it really lends a lot of credence as to why I started this. And, uh, you know, anything, you know, you you have an open invitation anytime you want to come on and uh, make fun of me all day long if you feel like it.
2: Oh, yeah. No, we all love you, Tommy. We even <laughs> love you enough to get in the Twitter fights with ex-Sigley. <laughs> so...
1: Brandon Marano and I got into a Twitter fight with Preston Wilson not long ago. And, and, and it, it's, it was a Twitter fight for the same reason that most of these silly fights start. is because I, I respected Preston Wilson's opinion, but he wouldn't allow me to disagree. And I kept saying to him, I'm only disagreeing. So out of left field comes Martorano with these haymakers on Twitter. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm getting I'm getting into a fight with Mookie Wilson's son with one of my play we're now ganging up on Preston Wilson.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was I'm not a big tweeter at all. I I hardly ever tweet. I use Twitter for my news and I'm more of an Instagram kind of (laughs) guy. But <laughs> i was scrolling through twitter and i saw this guy and you going back and forth and i was laughing of course knowing how you were probably bent over the computer <laughs> salivating <laughs> loving every single second and uh, and then he threw that shot at you where he yeah. said that your players deserve better right than that. Right, right Well, that, that is- Honestly pissed me off Like that really was ridiculous For him to say And I'll say this to his face If God willing I ever get to meet the guy Like He doesn't know Who you are As the I, coach Just because your opinion's different than him Doesn't right. make you lesser coach And right, right. for him to be On his high horse Because yes He's had an unbelievably savage baseball God career, bless him God bless Good for him I, I look Yes absolutely He's earned everything He's gotten Right Doesn't mean that Two right. guys from New York Can't have an opinion too uh, Right and uh, I thought it was ridiculous <laughs> that he said that. And I obviously voiced my opinion because that's what New Yorkers do. We don't know how to shut up. Right. <laughs> and uh, I respectfully, you know, threw some compliments at him. But I was, you know, he came back at me with five tweets in a row. He right. told me to, you know, right. he goes, sit down, kid. Like, what do you know? And, right. He, they love to, pull, know him, love to pull.
1: These guys love to pull rank on you. They love to pull rank on you. And, I, and, and we, we wouldn't let up. I don't know
2: up. as much as him. But what I do know is I know you better than him. Right. So, right. And that's what you try to impress upon him. him. <laughs> which is I didn't, I didn't I didn't I mean I thought I don't think I I didn't I I don't think You should bat flip a single Which is why this is, The whole thing started Right exactly you, you Exactly said, He was justifying A guy bat, bat flipping A single A single <laughs> A blue single To right field And almost get thrown Out at first base <laughs> I mean uh, If you hit a ball 600 feet Throw the bat as far as Be you my want, guest
1: Be my guest Throw the bat at the catcher yeah. If you want I don't care Do
2: whatever you want to do say <laughs> <Let's do. laughs> that to say that? Oh, we are making younger players not want to play the game. Oh, and, please oh, we don't. spare me. Stop the mellow. He was—he was being melodramatic, right? Spare me right. is correct. Let's and let's again, put it you know, this nothing way: but, nothing but respect right. for that guy. But right. I just wish he would have respected our opinion. Right, more. right. Let's just put it this right. way:
1: we kicked his ass. Okay, <laughs> we kicked his ass in,
2: in the Twitter in the Twitter world, yeah. right? And I in, think that was the most. That was the first Twitter fight I think I've ever been in. Oh, I my that. God. I a second, my heart was pounding.
1: Teammates, man. Teammates. There's a bond. Uh, obviously. Oh. Right. Know,
2: I'm, I'm not going to let anyone talk. I mean, ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right. Ready?
1: Okay. Here we go. I'm ready. Okay. Favorite food?
2: Grandma's cooking.
1: Ah, there you go. Nablidano, Sicilian? Sicilian.
2: Okay.
1: No, you're like, nobody knows who we're talking about, right? That just, nobody went, knows that just went over the heads of like thousands of people, but who cares? <laughs> Neil knows, and that's all that matters.
2: Exactly. He's the
1: only guy listening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite sound?
2: Sound as in music? Anything. What
1: sound do you love to hear?
2: My favorite sound ever has to be... Hitting a the, the sound of a wood bat hitting that a crack hard as, as you bark yeah
1: that's yeah. A pretty cool sound that's a pretty cool sound oh, it's,
2: it's beautiful it's okay. like music
1: what's your favorite movie oh
2: wow I you can't you can't pass up the Godfather series but I am the biggest Harry Potter fan really I have watched every single Harry Potter movie at least seven times and I can recite the lines as the movie goes on for every character
1: Who's your favorite actor?
2: I really like Matthew McConaughey.
1: Okay.
2: Actress? Wow, there's so many. I really like I really like uh uh Jennifer Lawrence.
1: Do you like her cuz she's a good actress or do you like her because she's a smoke show?
2: I like her she's a very good actress, yes, but I do like that she's absolutely stunning. <laughs>
1: What are you going to do this winter? Where are you going to be this winter? Who's, what are we doing?
2: Well, I'll be back on Staten Island this winter. I'll be with you. I'll be with Espo. Okay. Uh, hopefully. Cool. Uh, and then I'll be with uh, my old, uh, my old uh, travel coach, Mike He's the Cuts grass in, in New Jersey. And he's taught me, you know, how to hit. And cool. throws me, throws BP. Cool. We'll get some work in. Um,
1: I'll bring you to some of the clinics I do with these, you know, crazy kids and their dads and moms and, um, you'll set them straight as to you know. I'm has-
2: like a baseball parent of a seven year old.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right. There is nothing like that. Nothing, <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, because my if anyone knows my father, he's, he's yeah, he was something. <laughs> well, it's
1: gotten a lot worse. It's gotten a lot worse. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, he won't. He will never admit to that. So quickly. What is your schedule like I know you're rehabbing, but what is the schedule like at North Carolina in the fall uh, if you're a baseball player?
2: Yeah I mean for today you know today I had uh, I class at eight in the morning. Right. I had class from 8 to 10:30 two classes uh, mixed in some breakfast at that time and some lunch and then we had it we actually had a scrimmage today. Uh, we scrimmaged today at two o'clock. Uh, scrimmage finished up around 6. Uh, it's an inter squad. Uh, we play uh, two teams, nine on nine, four pitchers each. So it's about nine innings, 10 innings. Uh, I actually had to leave early today. I had class again at five, a lot of school because I'm rehabbing. So I figured, why not? Right. Um, right. And, uh, you know, they play the scrimmage. We play the scrimmage or practice that day. We usually split up into groups when we practice. we usually on the field for about an hour and a half if you're working. Uh, and then if you are a freshman at North Carolina, you have to have eight hours mandatory tutoring uh, per week. So you'll usually have a tutor at night, usually around sometimes seven, eight or nine uh, or all those times. And then by that time, you're pretty much home. I got home today around seven. Well, right before I called, actually, I was just walking into the house. So my day was seven to seven today and constantly doing something, constantly like running around. Uh, But I've become so used to it. uh, I've learned to love it. I'm bored in the summer when I have nothing
1: to do. Well, the first impression I had was this kid loves it. And uh, it's an easy, you're easy to root for. And um, uh, I feel like with many guys that I'm blessed to not just have you as a player, but even more so as a friend. I'm looking forward to the winter. We're going to spend a lot of time together Going to work on whatever you need to work on and uh, get you ready to have just an absolutely fantastic season so that uh, you uh, move way up in that draft. And maybe you'll be in New York taking me to dinner as well. So um, do well in school. If you need anything, I got your back, pal. I know you had mine and uh, I'll see you in the winter.
2: Yes, sir. Tommy, I love you, man. Uh, best to everyone in your family. Neil, I hope you're listening. I love you too. And Who's- I'm not
1: sending either of you any gear anytime soon. That's that's right. We you 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 don't know us that well. If we want your gear, we just take it. Okay. I <laughs> know. <laughs> but I love you too, man. And uh stay safe and uh have a blast and my best to everybody down there in North Carolina. All right. All
2: right, Tom you take it easy, now man Go get him, pal.
1: That's Brandon Martorano. As we wrap up another episode of The Conversation, uh, check us out on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere else. They have podcasts, whatever platform, TommyWeberBaseball.com. We are out of here.
0: Thanks for listening to The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Have any thoughts on today's episode? Ideas for a new one? Join the conversation on Twitter at TommyWebberBball or Instagram at Tommy Weber Baseball and share your thoughts. Tommy's back next week with a new episode of The Conversation. Subscribe and listen for free at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And of course, always at TommyWeberBaseball.com dot com.